It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked on Reds. And here we go. Anything you need, anytime you need it, post made it. Download the Postmates app and enter promo code LOCKED ON for $100 in free deliveries. For your first seven days, that's the Postmates app and promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. This is the Thursday edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. We're wrapping up the minor league review with Doug Gray, taking a look at how 2019 has been. Let's jump right in. We're going to look at the Arizona League Reds and how they fared out with the Arizona Rookie League, kind of as Doug had mentioned before, almost the second Dominican League team that the Reds used to have, but kind of got rid of and rolled it all into Arizona. So how have the Arizona Reds looked? Well, they play basically two halves in the Arizona Rookie League. Uh, the first half did not go as well as the second half for the Arizona League Reds. They ended up finishing 27-29 and 29 overall. Uh, the second half was much better than the first half. Um, now, is is a complex level league, which basically just means that it's a league that takes place at the various spring training facilities, both in Florida and in uh, Arizona, and I guess in the Dominican Republic, even though they're not really spring training um, uh, complexes, so to speak. They all have their own complexes in the Dominican Republic, um, and so that's also considered a, a complex league. Uh, they, they don't play every day. They usually play four or five games a week. Um, and so, you know, the Arizona League Reds played 56 games all season long. So um, keep that in mind when we're talking about the stats for some of these guys. Um, you know, the, the AZL Reds had a few interesting guys on, on the team this year. Um, they sent a lot of their, you know, younger international guys there and some of the more, uh, the younger high school guys they drafted this year and some of the you know, junior college guys that they drafted this past year. Um, now, I, I'm going to mention this guy. One, he performed very well on the team. Um, I, I think that if you had to hand out, like, a team MVP, he probably would have gotten it. But he's also got one of the more interesting names in minor league baseball. Uh, Fidel Castro. Uh, <laughs> pro- probably heard the name before. Different guy. Uh, this one is a 20-year-old from the Dominican Republic. Um, but, you know, he had 190 plate appearances this year. He had an 878 OPS. Um, you know, he had 10 doubles, five triples, six home runs, you know, performed fairly well. Uh, he, he's got some tools to work with. Now with that said, he had 17 walks and 64 strikeouts. It's a lot of strikeouts for 190 plate appearances. So he's going to need to cut down on that, but he, he's definitely a guy that if you're really trying to keep a, a really close eye on things, um, he's probably a guy that you should, uh, you, you should keep an eye on. Although, if you're one of those guys that keeps a really close eye on the farm system, you probably already have heard of him because I've talked about him before. <laughs> um, you know, Jose Teo, 
was there for most of this year. He got a, a late call up to Greenville as well. Um, but you know, he, he hit 296 this year and slugged 493. There, there's legitimate power in his bat. Now he's 21 years old and he's kind of split some time between catcher, first base, DH. Uh, you know, they, they've taken a little bit, I don't want I guess taking it slow with him isn't the right word. Um, last year he, he was stateside, but he only had 85 plate appearances last year between the AZL Reds and the Greenville Reds. Uh, this year he was more healthy, played a lot more. Um, overall, his numbers were a lot better. He had an 888 OPS between his two stops. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him next year, um, because I know that there are some people in the organization that, that really do like his bat um, more more than uh, you know the way that he's been used would project so far. But uh, you can you know, you'd think somebody who's 21 probably would have gotten out of the uh, the lower levels of rookie ball by this point. Um, but as a guy who's been a catcher at times in the past, um, you know he he has taken a little bit more more time than you know if he were a center fielder, for example, would take. So what I'm hearing is Fidel Castro is a leader for the uh, AZL Reds. Sure, let's go with that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, had to get that corny one in there. Uh, what kind of pitchers have stood out over there in Arizona? <sighs> I mean, if we're going to talk about guys that we're going to look at as prospects, I'm not really sure anybody really stands out. Um, one guy that statistically jumped out at me a lot this year um, was, uh, and I, I hope that I'm, I'm getting this right, his his name is Andre Falcon, and uh, this was his first year uh, stateside. Last year he pitched in the Dominican Summer League. Um, this was his first year uh, stateside, and he... In his first three games this season, got shelled. He gave up 12 earned runs in six innings. So his ERA was 18 after three games. Now, he is a reliever, but they've used him in basically a, a long relief role. Um, he, let's see, he's looking at his test. He started one game, but he threw the second most innings on the team. So after those first three games, he threw 44 and a third innings with a 1.83 ERA. Um, he just completely turned his season around and just dominated from that point forward. Um, you know, it, it was interesting because, you know, in my mind, he stood out because he wasn't performing early on. And so my question was, you know, after those first three appearances, like, is this guy going to get sent back to the Dominican Summer League and going to bring somebody else in? Um, but then he just he just flipped a switch or made an adjustment or something. He just dominated the rest of the way. Um, so that that that's what really stood out to me uh, i'm not really sure how many legitimate pitching prospects are on that were on that team this year though um you know there were some guys they signed out of independent leagues that performed okay there um you know one guy we actually didn't talk about yesterday uh randy Wynn was actually on that team for he made once one appearance for the acl reds but uh, he's a guy who struck out 17 batters gave up one hit in eight innings for Greenville at one point earlier this year. Nice. Um, he put together a pretty good season. Now, granted, Randy Wynn's also a 26-year-old guy who was getting his first taste of professional baseball. Um, you know, Not really a guy you would consider a prospect, but um, definitely deserves some recognition for what he did this year, too. I know that team captains aren't necessarily a thing in baseball too much anymore, 
but I'm rooting for in some way for Andre Falcon to get promoted to the major leagues in his point in the career so that he can be called a captain so that he could be Captain Falcon. Well, uh, if that reference is something, I don't get it, but that's oh, okay. No. Super Smash Brothers. Oh. Oh, you have no idea. No, oh, no well. oh, yeah. Sorry. Not a, not, not a, not a Nintendo guy. <laughs> like, original Nintendo, yes. Super Nintendo, sure. After that, I have no idea. <laughs> I got into what I'm going to call real video game systems after that. No. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> sick, burn, sick burn Nintendo. What's up? Oh, I love me some Switch. <sighs> anyway, um, moving on down, we've got our final team to look out for the minor league review. And that is, as you put yesterday, the best team in the organization, the DSL Reds. Yeah, they went 47-24, and 24, and that included a three-game losing streak to end their season. Uh, they, they were a very good team this year. Um, and, you know, maybe some of that has to do with what we talked about earlier uh, this week, that, you know, they consolidated it down to one team. And so, you know, they have their core of, you know, 35 to 40 players rather than 70 to 80. Um, you know, there's, there's over 40 teams in that league. Some teams have two teams within the Dominican Summer League. Some of those teams are shared with another team. Um, you know, so two teams will kind of have, you know, one organization. Um, you know, the Reds did that for a couple of years with the Diamondbacks. They were the uh, DSL Reds slash D-backs um, <laughs> before, the, before the Reds got their own second DSL team, which they no longer have. But uh, really yeah, rolls so off the tongue. It really does. I, I kind of <laughs> wish I could have seen those jerseys to be like, okay, well, what jerseys are we wearing today? Like, have, <laughs> like but uh, half and half. <laughs> yes. So there, there were there were a few guys that really stood out on this uh, this DSL team. Now Jose Acosta, who we talked about earlier this year, you know he had a OPS of 11.13, which was 418 points better than the league average. Um, you know got my hitter of the year award for the Reds farm system this year. Now Darwin Guzman, 18 year old left-handed hitter, uh, he had a thousand ten OPS this year. He had 357 and slugged 616. Um, the power is absolutely real for him. Um, the question is going to be, will his pitch recognition skills improve enough to let that play at higher levels? Uh, he had 10 walks and 44 strikeouts this year. The 44 strikeouts isn't really an issue. Um, that's about 22% on his season. Uh, but the 5% walk rate is a problem and it's going to have to improve. Uh, I think that right now he's definitely a guy who, if you throw him something in the zone, he's going to crush it. Um, but I, I, I do think that he's going to have to make those improvements at the next level, but, you know, definitely crushed it this season. You've got a guy like, uh, Daniel Valesian who, you know, he hit 314 with a 444 on base percentage this year, had more walks than strikeouts for the DSL Reds. Um, you know, pitching wise, there were a few guys that really stood out, but, uh, you know, Jose Franco was, uh, he was an all-star for the, the Dominican Summer League, had a 2.20 ERA. As an 18-year-old this year, um, reliever Andrew Cuevas had a 2.27 ERA through 43, yeah, 43 and two-thirds innings, had 56 strikeouts. Um, you know, Martin Salazar had an ERA under three, making 14 starts for them. You know, they, I mean, they're obviously when a team's 47 and 24, there's going to be some pretty good performances on that team. Definitely. And I noticed that they have a Jefferson, but he spells his name with only one F. Yeah, Jefferson Geraldo, um, he's just, 
he's cooler than you. I don't know what to tell you. One F is one F is better than two, apparently. I think that's, that's what I was that's what I was told in school. I think Wait. that's what it is. I haven't graduated to the point where <laughs> I can take Fs off my name. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, but that's all right. So that that wraps up the Dominican summer league. I know his Jose Acosta was the best of the prospects there by far. Uh, were there any other guys that you look at and you're like, well, you know what, maybe uh, they can come up and surprise you? Yeah, uh, you know, there was there's quite a few guys on this team. Um, you know, Ilvin Fernandez, you know, he, he didn't have a bad season this year. He had 274 with a 361 on base percentage. And he only slugged 301 this year, and that's what really held down his OPS. Um, but, you know, he was, I, I think, I'm looking at this right now, um, I, I believe that he got the highest signing bonus um, two years ago for any of their international signings. Now, the Reds, they, they were under, um, you know, the penalty. They could only sign players for up to $300,000. Um, so it's not like he got, you know, a huge signing bonus, but he I'm pretty sure that he was their highest dollar guy um, two years ago. And, you know, he, he's got he's got some skills, but, you know, the, the power just wasn't there yet. Uh, and he's just 17 years old, so it's definitely not something to worry about. He'd be a junior in high school right now. So, uh, who's going to be a mover and a shaker, like uh, maybe one or two guys, when it comes to the Reds' rankings? I mean, I, I think that Jose Garcia is going to jump up the rankings um, from where he was both preseason and midseason. Um, wouldn't surprise me to see a guy like Tyler Stevenson jump up a lot in the national rankings. Um, I, I had him ranked at number five in, in my midseason rankings. Honestly, he's probably going to move up a spot or two. Um, but I, I think that you could see both of those guys potentially make, you know, their way up, uh, you know, top 100 list. I, I think Tyler Stevenson actually made it onto a few mid-season top 100 lists. So, um, you know, wouldn't be surprised to see him on all of them and maybe move up a little bit on the ones that he did uh, already make. I, I just uh, Jose Garcia, man. I know we talked about him earlier this week, but he. I don't know. He he just with his performance down the stretch in the second half, and just the tools that he's got, he he's a guy that I, I'm pretty excited about. With uh, Nick Senzel graduating and Taylor Trammell getting traded, is the top prospect still Hunter Green in the farm system? He will be on my list. I mean, I like I I said earlier this week, I haven't really you know taking the big dive into, you know, ranking the prospects and, you know, talking to everybody about it. But, um, yeah, I, I, it's tough for me to rank anybody higher than him right now. I, I know that he's hurt and you don't really know how somebody's going to come back from, but it, it's just Tommy John surgery. And I, and I hate saying just Tommy John surgery because anytime you go under the knife, it's, it's legitimate, but most guys come back from Tommy John surgery well enough that they're, they're pretty much the same guy they were before, at least from the first Tommy John surgery they had. Um, and so, you know, I know he's been out of sight, out of mind for a lot of people because he hasn't pitched since last year or last July. But the upside is just it, 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 it's different level upside versus anybody else in the organization. So uh, he, he's going to be my number one prospect uh, this offseason. Uh, I'd imagine that he may not be some other places, but for me, he definitely is. And I, I I'm not really sure that I can make the honest argument that somebody else should be ahead of him. I, I, I know some other people will make that argument. I just don't think I can do it. What do you think his ETA is? I'm, I just don't know. I, I'm perfectly honest with you. I don't know because he had Tommy John surgery uh, actually on my birthday this past year on, in early April. 
Um, given his age and the general timeline for coming back from Tommy John surgery, he might not pitch until July or August next season. Um, and if he does, he's going to be probably limited when he comes back in terms of, you know, the, the innings that he's going to get. So, I mean, realistically, he's not going to, I mean, he's probably not going to pitch again in, in a meaningful way in terms of innings go until 2021. Now, at that point, Hunter Green has got all the upside in the world. I mean, the guy that he was after April of twenty seven or of twenty eighteen in Dayton, I mean, he's a guy that you could look at and be like, this guy can move quick, like really, really quick. Um, if that guy shows up again, you know, he, uh, who knows, he could be there, majorly ready. And in, in I mean, I don't think that they would do it that quickly, but a couple of months. I, I really do believe that uh, that fastball slider. It was absolutely disgusting and that that would play um but with the injury timeline i it, it's just too tough to really put that out there and be like you know he's gonna be ready at this point in time because i just don't know how they're gonna handle his his workload for one um you know he's been very limited with his workload even before the injury and if they're gonna use him as a starter they're probably gonna want to build those innings up well if he's only thrown 80 innings two years before he was injured, what what's that timeline going to look like? I, I just don't know. There, there's too many variables to really answer that question, honestly. That makes sense. And, and it's something that is going to be on the forefront of Reds fans' mind as we move forward. So I figured it was worth asking, at least right now. But I'm with you. I think uh, it's a moving target at this point. And I would not be surprised to see Nick Lodolo far before we see Hunter Green. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think Lodolo is a guy that we could possibly see uh, in Double A early next year. I, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he started in Double A. Although I, I think that it's probably more likely he starts in Daytona. Um, but yeah, Lodolo is a guy who, assuming he's healthy, should move very quickly through the farm system. And on that note, that's a really good way to close out the week. Taking a look at things like that, we appreciate. Your time, Doug, for coming in and reviewing the minor league system for 2019. With the offseason coming up, what can folks expect from RedsMinorLeagues.com? Well, I, I think the biggest thing that everybody looks forward to, except for me because the work going into it sucks, um, <laughs> is, is the, the offseason prospect rankings. Um, I usually start those up right around the end of October um, with the top 25 list. Um, a lot of that revolves around, you know, season reviews and scouting reports for all of those guys. Now, in the beginning of October, when the regular season ends for Major League Baseball, is kind of when I start doing, um, you know, season review and scouting reports for guys that aren't going to make the top 25 list. Um, and so that that's kind of one of the big focuses. I'll do that for 75 to 100 guys throughout the off season. Um, that that's kind of the the main stable. You'll get, you know, two or three of those a week. Um, until we start the top 25 list, and then you'll get one of those a week. Uh, not one of those a week, one of those a day until we get through the top 25. Um, and then we'll get back to two or three a week as just running right up to spring training. And then just, you know, your news and notes from around, you know, the red system. Guys are going to be playing winter ball. Um, you know, there's a league in the Dominican Republic. There's a league in Puerto Rico. There's the Arizona Fall League. There's a league that plays in Australia. Um, there's, there's plenty of baseball being played around the world and there, there are definitely going to be some guys that are 
uh, Reds players that are going to be in those leagues, and uh, I cover those too because I'm a crazy person. <laughs> That's all right, man. Well, hey, everyone keep it tuned to RedsMinorLeagues.com for everything Reds Minor Leagues related. There is no better place on the interwebs with which to find that information. And also check out Doug on Patreon. Float him a couple of dollars. I know he likes money. I, I, I do like eating food, and it does cost money. <laughs> and Doug, I appreciate it, man. And uh, hopefully to have you on again soon. Hopefully it won't uh, be, you know, uh, too long. It won't force <laughs> you to talk to me for a long, long time. Well, I, I hope not. I appreciate you having me on, Jeff. <laughs> hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.